Welcome to the Take Good Care podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bradshaw. No one wants to become highly skilled at navigating a medical crisis by actually navigating their own medical crises. But I'm here for it. I'm here to help you avoid the learn-as-you-go education in healthcare that I've experienced throughout my own healthcare journey. And I'm also here to facilitate inspiration with guests who get you. We get you. And we're here to build community. So let's get started. We are back for the second episode of the Take Good Care podcast, and we're just going to jump right in today. I'm assuming by now maybe you've listened to the trailer or listened to episode one, and here you are for episode two. So thank you for coming back, or thank you for joining us the first time. This episode today is inspired by the people I call the beta extraordinaires. They are the folks who comb through the Take Good Care community app and watch modules from the Empathetic Healthcare Practices course, then provided their feedback. One of the questions that I asked of them is when watching the course or navigating the app, tell me things that you think we could expand upon in discussions on the podcast. And I want it to be things that if the podcast listener yourself never takes the Empathetic Healthcare Practices course, never interacts in the Take Good Care community app, you are still feeling like you're getting inspiration and education. You are building your own skill set to help navigate your healthcare, your own journey. And what the beta extraordinaires came back with more than any other question about any other module is module seven with Allison Mobley. She was a 14 year bedside nurse before becoming a nurse practitioner. Now she's a nurse practitioner who practices pain management. We discuss in detail the communication between a bedside nurse and the patient and family during a critical care hospital stay. In that discussion, I shared that in the 20, now seven years, I have been a patient or caregiver or patient educator, I have only called off one nurse. And call off means basically saying, this nurse is no longer allowed to care for my loved one. Now, I brought that up during the module discussion, and then all the beta extraordinaires were saying, well, you didn't say why you called David off of service. You didn't say how you called David off of service. Uh, we want to know the how, the why, the what, everything that happens. Well, I, I intentionally didn't bring it up in detail there because, for one, I knew that we'd have an opportunity to discuss it on this podcast, but also because, you know, while it's relatable in that discussion, I wanted to stick, like I said, to the agenda we had, knowing we could expand upon any aspect of any of the conversations that are happening in the course and the app through this podcast. So I'm going to give you the details of how this worked. And it's a very serious matter because you you have to have good reason to do it. Not liking the personality of a nurse is not a good enough reason. It's just like the workplace or any other place that we have to learn to get along with people. We're not always going to agree with them. We're not always going to like their personalities. In this case, it can only come down to patient care. That's it. So here we are. This is our podcast episode. I need to give a bit of a background. A Wesley, my late husband, was very sick leading up to his double lung transplant, as anyone would be who needs a transplant. He was hospitalized multiple times that year. 
In exactly one year from the day he started getting sick, he received his double lung transplant. He was in the ICU for six weeks. He did not do well. At the very beginning of his surgery, he coded, which means his heart stopped. They revived his heart. They finished the surgery. But when he came out in re to recovery, he did not wake up as he was supposed to. And he was in a coma for several days off and on over those six weeks with multiple complications that would take 10 episodes to explain in detail. So what I will say is that his heart was compromised and that made it difficult for him to get off of the ventilator, the machine that was helping him breathe after surgery. If they can't remove the ventilator that's placed down the patient's throat within an ideal amount of time, then they have to resort to the option of a tracheotomy. For the purposes of this podcast conversation, I won't try to explain medical procedures or details. I will leave that up to you to do your own research about any terms or procedures you don't know about because I'm not a doctor and I don't want to give an incorrect explanation. About a week in or so, maybe 10 days, um, he was he would have a good couple of hours and then a bad couple of days. It was just the, it was the most complicated, grueling, traumatic experience of my lifetime. And Allison from Module 7 was Wesley's bedside nurse, and she was the closest nurse uh, to me. I, I, I relied on her a lot. She was very supportive. She was good at what she does, and she never gave up hope. So uh, partway through about five, between five and 10 days after surgery, probably closer to 10 days, he had a nurse named David, and he'd been with him a couple of different times. And, and there, there were things that happened that kind of built up to this. Just his attitude toward the whole situation, he was quite negative. He wasn't hopeful. Um, just certain things he would say and the way he carried himself. But again, I don't have to like the guy, but I had to make sure he was taking good care of Wesley. And, and to my knowledge, at that point, he had. Well... One day we were in Wesley's room and Wesley was either in a medically induced coma or he was in a coma all on his own just from his complications. I don't recall. But I said something to David like, I'll be so happy when Wesley gets off the ventilator and he can use this beautiful set of lungs he was given. And here's the rule. A, a nurse, there's only certain things they're allowed to say to you. They're not supposed to tell you anything from a prognosis point of view anything. They can tell you what tests are being done, but not why. They can't tell you the results of anything. They can tell you certain blood work information, but not interpret that information for you. There's specific rules in place, and by then, I knew them. And when I said that, David said, well, he's never getting off the vent, and these lungs aren't any good anymore. And I said, what do you mean? They said that they were the perfect set of lungs. He hasn't had any infection or rejection. He said, yeah, but he's been, he's too dependent on the vent and his lungs are mush. He needs a new set and his heart can't take another surgery. And he's not going to make it, is what he said. First of all, it's not anything he's allowed to say. And it's most definitely not anything I asked of him. Even if it's true, which it turned out to be true, but we were, we were weeks away from 
from knowing that. Even if it were true, it's not anything he's allowed to say, and it's not anything he should want to say. He had an attitude that affected his ability to care for Wesley. So I had talked to one of the nurses, and she explained the process. She said, to call David off of your service, you need to go to the nurse manager and request that he be off of your service. She may ask questions. She may not. And so I went to her, I made the request, and she said, absolutely, David's off off the service. I did it at the end of the shift. It's not like they had to come remove him from his service. You know, it was just a matter of next time he comes in, he will never take care of Wesley again during any shift. She didn't ask me why. But later that day, I was approached by the head of the entire department. So the head of transplant, the head of... Uh, the surgical floor for transplant. He was the boss of it all. He was instrumental in Wesley being listed at all. And there's a certain level of compliance that goes along with getting an organ transplant. And you have to prove that before they'll even put you on the list. So by now, they're intimately familiar with our lives, with our needs. We've gone through psychological evaluations, physical evaluations. It's a grueling step-by-step process to get listed for a transplant. So you don't want to go in there ruffling a bunch of feathers and causing a bunch of problems just because you don't like a certain nurse. And that's not what I did. So he comes to me and asks me to join him in this empty patient room. And honestly, I felt like I'd been called to the principal's office because he kind of had his glass eyeglasses on top of his head and he was kind of looking down at me and said, I understand you took David off of Wesley's service. I said, I did. And he said, well, why did you do that? And I said, because he doesn't believe in Wesley's survival. And he said, how do you know that? I said, because he told me. And I explained to him, what David had said. And he said he should never speak that way anytime for any reason. You were valid for your decision. I didn't need him to tell me I was to, to validate my decision, but I, I did understand the importance of getting along with everyone. We've entered into a lifetime commitment with this provider group. They've chosen us of any other person in this country who could receive this set of lungs. I understood the responsibility and I felt complete gratitude for it. But as I explained to the doctor, there were times when I left to go get a sandwich. I was gone for 30 minutes and I would come back and Wesley would have coded while I was gone. But David, I didn't believe, would do that one extra thing to keep Wesley safe. And I didn't feel comfortable leaving him with David. And that's a gut feeling. That's a feeling in my gut. That's a feeling in my heart that I follow when it comes to healthcare. That gut feeling hasn't led to me needing to call a nurse off a service any other time. Um, But it's a gut feeling that I hope you listen to in your own experience. Trust your gut. Weigh the options. If the nurse doesn't come into the room with a big bubbly smile, isn't very talkative, isn't very cheerful. None of that matters. 
as long as your patient or you yourself are getting good care. But none of that has anything to do with personality conflicts. David and I probably did have a personality conflict with each other, but that isn't why I called him off the service. So that answers the question for Module 7, my discussion with Allison Mobley. And I hope it helps illustrate for you, if you are in that situation in the future, or if you've been in that situation in the past, maybe you understand completely what I'm talking about. But if you are in that situation in the future, my advice is always to be the room that the nurse wants to walk into. Be friendly. Try to engage with that person. Chances are there is someone down the hall, a patient or a caregiver, a loved one, who is already making that nurse's day difficult. We are in, we are talking about highly stressful situations where people are not themselves or, like I always say, we are ourselves times 10 in a crisis. So if someone is a yeller and stressful and takes everything out on everyone else, they're going to do that in a critical care ICU setting. If they're kind, if they're patient, if they do their best for other people, then you're going to see that reflected in their behavior in a critical care hospital setting. You get to choose, just like the nurses get to choose. Nurses get to choose, are they a David or are they an Allison? We get to choose how we behave toward them. Our relationship with a nurse in a critical care setting is the most important relationship in that hospital. That nurse creates a bridge between you and your loved one if you're not the patient, or between yourself and your loved ones if you are. The nurse is the person who knows the patient best. And if you're fortunate enough to have a nurse who's consistently choosing your loved one's service, then you build a bond of mutual respect and consideration. And that nurse can help see you through to the end. Allison Mobley from Module 7 was Wesley's nurse to the moment he died. She was at his side when I wasn't allowed to be because of the circumstances of his care. There was no more valuable relationship that I had with anyone in that hospital. So trust your gut, listen to your heart, do your best to create a positive environment in a nearly impossible situation. This helps answer the question for the beta group, the beta extraordinaires, and I hope it was also helpful to you. We are on to the next episode. Until then, take good care.